part of the idea of this podcast is that I have a lot of people in my life who I think are pretty interesting, you know, and just because you're not famous on a world stage doesn't mean that you don't have lessons to teach or a story worth hearing. Welcome back to another episode. Today we are filming in the lab Saigon, and I have with me the lab's founder and creative director, probably amongst many other things, uh, Tuan Le. I can literally say that I wouldn't be making this recording now if it wasn't for Tuan. <laughs> I don't mean the recording with him, but any of these recordings, because you opened up a creative co-working space in this very building, uh, five, six? 2013. In 2013. And I was using that as my office. It's where I got connected to many creatives living in Saigon. And it's where it's where I recorded my first interview on video. So thanks for creating that opportunity, creating that space for us. Thank you for coming. Okay. So it's many years later. Here we are. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Uh, and things have done nothing if they haven't kept changing. Uh, both in terms of Saigon, of course, this space yeah. is very uh, noticeable, the changes it's gone through, and your businesses. Yeah. You you keep busy. Yeah. We try, we try. So for those who don't know, what is the lab? Sure. Um, so the lab started as a co-working space, like Thomas said, but over the last five, six years, we have kind of evolved from one thing to another. And I would say three years ago, we've settled into a design studio. So this is what we mainly do now. We work on uh, projects for clients uh, in interior design, branding, graphic, communications. On the side, the lab also runs uh, a couple of F&B businesses, so cafes, restaurants, lounges. How can you uh, keep everything straight with so many different plates spinning? So I have a partner, so she takes care of all of the F&B projects and I do the design studio. And then under us, we have a very capable team. I have 22 people under me and she has nearly 100 uh, what? under her. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how we do these things. We're not alone. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, things really don't stand still here. No. Man, it almost seems like it would be silly to go back and say, hey, so why did you start a co-working cafe? But yeah, I mean, because that's really far in the past for you at this point, Yeah, I guess. Does that, do you feel close to those times or? No, like, like you, I, I remember that time very, very fondly and it shaped me into like, into kind of like um, the way I, I deal with people here. It's all about community and I'm very open to working with people, collaborating, um, sharing a coffee, sharing a beer. So that was a formative time for me in terms of how I approach business in Vietnam. So yeah, it's it's not, it's it's long ago, but it feels very close at the same time. Um, yeah. Does the lab have a signature style? It's kind of a cop-up to say that our signature style is that we don't have a signature style, <laughs> but I think I have a signature style. So right now it's kind of under my, my, my creative direction. So a lot of them will have a little bit of kind of my personality in it which is that uh, it's very casual and very fun. 
I don't try to overthink anything. So if you look through the um, the design that we do for clients, the designs that we do for our own F and B businesses, it's it's all it's all very fun, and it comes from my upbringing in Los Angeles. I don't really take things very seriously. How how do you go from Los from v- Vietnam to Los Angeles to Vietnam? Is that was that your journey, or is it Los Angeles to Vietnam? No, it's uh, it's it's Vietnam to Los Angeles to San Diego to Tokyo to back to Los Angeles to San Francisco to Dubai. Oh, sorry, to Vietnam, then to Dubai, then back to Vietnam. <laughs> so that's the the entire journey. Um, but yeah, I first moved to Los Angeles uh, because of my family. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of what you've I don't know, you you've been in, involved in a, a few different cultural things here. I, I maybe I could say, for instance, sure. like not only within whatever design work you do, which could be, yeah, uh, you know, have some Vietnam inspired into it, sure, uh, but also with publications like Vietcetera, mm. which you are a, a founder of that co-founder, yeah, uh, and. You know, these are kind of celebrating nouveau. Yeah, it was your own words, I think. Even like the original Vietcetera. Uh, uh, it was on the Sagonier, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we we all I think we all came back to participate in building what we think is the new Vietnam. You know, brands that care about aesthetics, care about um, the people behind the brand, as well as the people interacting with the brand, the, the consumer. Um, so yeah, we're all here to do that, that thing. And so the people that we surround ourselves with through the co-working space or through the extended circles, I feel like in one way or another, we're all participating in building this new Vietnam. We just don't know it. Um, so yeah, a lot of our projects tend to have that edge. You had made this food and beverage concept, Bunker Hill. Yeah. Or Bunker Bed and Breakfast. Yeah. And it was I can I wouldn't say in many ways, mm. but almost in all ways, some kind of like visual and uh, or a factory and audio throwback to '90s Los Angeles, yeah, like that, yeah. Um. Okay, let's let's kind of move it. Let's move it this way. Whenever I look at you, because I, I see your posts on Facebook and stuff all the time, <laughs> uh, I always have this sense of like wow he just keeps on mm. just keeps on succeeding just keeps mm. on winning sure you sure. know you uh this graphic design or creative yeah. agency keeps growing sure you're working on interesting projects yeah and then all these food and beverage things yeah is it like a runaway success or mm. is you know or no, it's not. <laughs> no, because uh, we, we don't post about our failures, right? Um, like, for example, the concept store kind of failed. The, the physical location failed. Um, Bunker, even though it's very close to my heart and a lot of people like it, it's a financial, it's not a financial success at all. You know, we barely get by. So, no, it's not a runaway success. Um, yeah, we just tend to not post about it because it's a downer. Mm. Right, <laughs> we're closing. <laughs> like nobody ever posts about that stuff, so uh, we don't either. Yeah, I I came here kind of expecting that we would be sitting in this area or in the uh, in front of the espresso machine at yeah. the label concept store. Yeah, and you've 
your design studios have completely overwhelmed the space. Yeah, it's bittersweet, you know, like we we opened it for, um, we kept it open for nine months and then we just had to close it. Uh, we just couldn't maintain it. But on the flip side, the design studio grew enough that we need the space too. Mm -hmm. So no, we don't post about that. So it's not a runaway success, but you know, it's not all bad. It's not all good either, so. If you didn't have these businesses, sure. would you still be in Saigon after five, six years? If I didn't have the lab, I would not be in Saigon because I really enjoy what I do and I enjoy the team. So without them and without this work, there's no reason for me to be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because you moved around so many yeah, for sure. places and now yeah. it feels... Like yeah. you're kind of anchored here, yeah, bald and chained here, right? <laughs> yeah, the first time I came back to in uh, to Vietnam, I only lasted eleven months before moving to Dubai. It lasted two years in Dubai, so it, I wasn't in the habit of staying in any place for too long. Yeah, so no, without these businesses, I, I would be gone for sure. What's the uh, best and worst parts of doing business in Ho Chi Minh City? The best part is that there's still so much to do. And so many people who want to do cool shit or different shit with you. The worst part is that a lot of times it hasn't been done. So to find people to want to throw away what they're working on or what they're building towards to do it with you is tough. Um, you know, you might want to build like this experimental, interesting design studio. But if people have been like going towards an advertising career their whole life, they're not going to throw away the Ogilvy to come and, you know, kind of try this out with you. You know what I mean? So I think it's, those are the best and worst part of doing what I do here. Yeah. And how about from a lifestyle standpoint, mm. living in Saigon? Um, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like you love it and you hate it at the same time. I'm sure you, like a lot of people will say this, but you know, just this morning, we went up to our balcony and we found out that our neighbor had put all of their um, furniture, like their dirty furniture, over to our balcony without telling us, just to store it, uh -huh. you know, because I guess they noticed that we never go outside, but just, it just so happens the day we went outside. And so it's like that, that kind of stuff, you know, like that, there's no sense of like personal space or anything like that. And that, you can see that on the road. You can see that walking on the street. They'll just take over the sidewalk. There's no sense of space. So that part, I really don't like, you know. Um, on the flip side, uh, I feel like people are, like, very open to communicating with you. They're not, like, hiding behind a car or anything like that. Um, the city is very loose. The culture is fluid. So it's changing super fast. And so it's super exciting. So, Yeah. I love it and I hate it at the same time. Where would be the destination if it wasn't here? It would be either LA, which is my hometown, or uh, Paris, which is my girlfriend's hometown. Uh, if it were a third place, it would probably be Hong Kong, Singapore, Korea, or Japan. So like one of these more developed Asian countries. Would you be, do you imagine yeah. if you had, like if this was gone tomorrow, and yeah. you're, what's next? Yeah. Are you looking for an employee role at an ad agency or creative agency in one of these other locations? Mm. Or are you going to do a startup again? Probably uh, an employee first, um, just as a bridge, I think. I mean, it sucks to say that, but 
I think once you've tried to do your own thing, um, it's, it's really hard to stop. You know, that freedom and the stress that comes with that freedom is kind of intoxicating. Um, you keep going. I'm sure you know you've been at it, you know, uh, on your own for a while now, right? Entrepreneurship. It starts to be like, it's hard to put your, mm. it's hard to mentally prototype mm. what it would be like mm. to have to be at an office from this time until this time, yeah. regardless of your productivity or, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's tough. So I, I can't imagine myself uh, doing that for long. But I, I imagine that after six years and everything falls down, I would need a break from entrepreneurship. So in which case I would need to find a job. I'm not sure it would be an advertising agency. Um, I would be very interested in um, uh, big tech or things like that. Mm. Um, because I, a lot of my friends actually joined big tech from ad agencies. So I just... You know, in-house creative studios at Facebook or at Google, yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. For example, um, yeah, I would probably try there first. It doesn't have to be at uh, Facebook or Google. It could be. You know, I would love to work uh, at you know Tesla or something. You know, SpaceX. You know, I want to do things that hopefully would change something. Mm -hmm. um, but let's see. I think you've stated as an official company policy yeah. in the past stuff like no Pinterest. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. Sure. Uh, you want to know why, or? Well, I want to. Want you just to elaborate on that. Sure. Well, um, we we work in design and creativity, so Pinterest is a great library of all of those inspirations, as you know. Right. People pin things that they like, and then it shows up on Pinterest. So the urge to go in there and just let's say we're designing a staircase to just type staircase, you would have a thousand design, you know, some from very good designers. So the urge for a creative to go there to grab ideas knowingly or subconsciously uh, is so, so high. So for me, like for the guys who design anything worthwhile, I would like them to turn off Pinterest first, try to do it on pen and paper. And for example, if they need a reference on how to execute a certain staircase, okay, fine, go to Pinterest. But the starting point, I don't think should be Pinterest because of the urge mm. to take something. Yeah. It's like if you're on a diet, like don't go to a candy store. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the urge is crazy. A friend of mine opened an ice cream shop yeah. last week yeah. and I've been working out of there. Yeah. And every day he's like, I have a new flavor for you. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a losing battle for my willpower. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's about willpower. Um, you know, the guys here, like sometimes they succeed in in kind of tuning that out. But sometimes I'll see them going on Pinterest, you know. It's my rule, but sometimes they don't follow it either, you know. Your background was copywriting. Yes. But at this point, yeah. I'm sure you don't mm. consider, you can, yeah. you're not a copywriter, right? I was, yeah. Not yeah. anymore. You're much more than that. Um, so, yeah, I will elaborate later. Go ahead. Do you... How involved are you with, let's say, mm. the visual design of mm. things going on here, mm. functional design of things going on here? Mm. And does any of that relate to your copywriting experience? Yeah. So I don't actually put pen to paper at all anymore. Um, I don't uh, use Photoshop or Illustrator or any program. I just actually install, reinstall Photoshop after two years uh, just to do my own photos. 
Um, so I don't do any of that anymore. What I do is guide the team. So they'll come with visuals, references, inspirations, and then I'll lead them down a certain path. When they come back with certain visuals, I'll say yes, no, why, things like that. Now, I do think it relates back to my time as a copywriter because as a copywriter, I don't just write the copy. I actually think about the concept behind what I write and the campaign that we're doing. So same with the visuals. We need to not only make it look good, but make it make sense. So then the, the whole copywriting thing does c come back. Yeah. What advice would you have for me, let's say? Okay. Um, I like getting my hands dirty. Sure. Um, I don't appreciate if mm. someone else micromanages me, mm -hmm. but I have a tendency to micromanage other people mm. because I don't necessarily trust that they will understand the, mm. the direction. Yeah. And even more so, sometimes I feel like there's a lot of tasks I end up doing myself mm. because in my mind, it would take longer to explain it than just to do it. Yeah, yeah. But as a consequence of that, mm. the, the real negative side of that is that um, I'm not that productive mm. because I'm trying to do the accounting or yeah. I'm trying to do things that I'm not yeah. good at. Even something like Photoshop yeah. today, I'm slow compared to younger yeah. kids. Yeah. So like, yeah. how do you end up trusting other people? Yeah. Like I'm probably going to edit this video myself, right? I'm not like I, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I have a hard time letting go of these yeah. micro tasks, mm. and um, even if I, someone else was doing it, I would be bothering them by like just sitting over their shoulder and yeah. telling them what I would have done. Yeah, um, I think it's a skill that you learn. Just as young people, as they grow older in their career, they need to learn leadership, which is to take care of several other team members, right? Uh, us too, as we go grow a little older, we need to learn to let go and do less and then trust other people to do more. Um, now, that personality where you feel like, oh my God, why don't you do this? I have to learn to let that go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's two things that I'm always thinking about. One, I could be wrong. They could be right. And two, even if I'm right, it's okay for it to be different than what I think it is. So for me, that's where the interesting things come from. Otherwise, the lab is just a mirror of all of my decisions, right? It shouldn't be like that. And the lab is kind of like me guiding 20 different people. So it's, it's exciting and it's interesting. Even though some of it might not be my favorite, but it doesn't matter. It's somebody's favorite, you know? So I have to learn to do that. How do you deal with things like employee retention? Yeah. Like how do you grow the team and then sustain the team mm. so that you're not always having to rehire? That is tough. We, have, we do have people who've stayed with us since we opened, like four years ago. And then we have people who, you know, cannot last for two months, right? But for me, it's a self-filtering process. The people who fit into your culture will stay. And the people who don't, they will leave. So what you need to focus on is the culture. I don't try to chase after everybody. Yeah. So what, what's the culture here? Uh, like, what a, like, I'm very um, open to letting them experiment with what they think is right in terms of creativity. As long as I control the strategy and the objective, the way it, the way it looks finally, I'm, I'm totally okay with letting go. Uh, for example, like District 8, we just did a project with District 8. I didn't go to uh, a single meeting after the first meeting, and it turned out great, you know? It might not have turned out great if I went to every single meeting and, and second-guess every single decision. Um, and then we did an exhibition where everybody in the team executed the exhibition without my involvement. 
and I thought it was brilliant. And so those things give me the confidence to let go even more. Right. Yeah. Has it been that way from the first days of work Saigon and the lab Saigon, or yeah, did like, it take a certain amount of time to build that trust? No, in the very like I'm a very casual person, I think. So yeah, I I, I was never like a heavy handed leader or anything like that. Um, I did have to learn to kind of let go of my personal taste, but I think from the very beginning, it was very easy for me to to have this culture because it's kind of like the way I deal with things. So very relaxed. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's not all good because some people who crave that structure, they crave a boss who tells them exactly what to do. Those people leave after one month, right? Yeah. So, so got a lot of... Um, self-starters yeah 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 for sure and you know we built this environment where we don't require you to work nights and weekend we don't pitch and so to be able to do that as a company you need to show up and work because if you don't work then your your work drags and you have to work nights and weekend uh, and so it's it's self-fulfilling you know so you've got a lot of background at traditional ad agencies yeah and i'm i've gleamed uh, that what well, in the game industry we called it crunch, yeah, yeah, or overtime, yeah, you know, oftentimes unpaid overtime, yeah, yeah, uh, and it seems that that's also a big part of oh yeah <laughs> a lot of ad agencies. <laughs> that's the norm. What are those companies doing wrong? That's kind of necessitating that culture, or is it even necessary? You yeah. seem to be proving that it's not necessary. Well, I think we're comparing apples and oranges here because the ad agencies they're they're answerable to a huge holding company in New York or London or somewhere that requires certain kind of revenue numbers, right? So they need to pitch for big businesses, you know? We are a very small company. We've got 22 in the design studio and we're in Vietnam. So the cost is much lower, meaning if I'm getting a few projects a month, I can handle them for a couple months. I don't need to keep pitching for projects, you know? So I think let's get that aside. Now, assuming that we're all the same, I think what's going on is um, the projects that they go for are big projects. And because it's a big project, the company that give out those projects will not give without a pitch. You're not going to just give it to somebody based on what you see on the website. You want to see what they're doing specifically for that project. So you pitch, right? Um, yeah, and companies that have big mother companies need that project to pay. So they, they pitch. So it's nobody's fault. They're not doing anything wrong. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, for us, we're just a different beast. We're small. But does pitching necessitate working overtime? That 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 is a better question. I I feel like you it it doesn't. It's bad leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I I I, I don't know why working at one a.m. would help you in any way, you know, or work making people work over Saturdays and Sunday would help you be more creative. Uh, I just don't get it. In the game industry, it's, uh, I guess it's different. Uh, I've experienced it at both AAA mm. studios doing um, discs. Yeah. And also at a mobile game studio. What's a disc? Like a... <laughs> <laughs> you date yourself. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with a lot of times at the AAA studios, yeah. you have to hit the Christmas deadline. 
Yeah. You know, like you, this has to be on the shelf by this date or or it's a movie tie-in. The movie's coming out on this date. We have to ride the coattails of the movie's marketing. Yeah. So we only have this much time to make this game. Yeah. But our customers are expecting the same amount of content Mm. as a, as like one of these big five-year Blizzard or, you know, games that they, uh, you know, consumer wants 10 plus, 10 to 100 hours of triple yeah. a gameplay but you have 12 months to deliver it instead mm. of multiple years yeah and that is probably part of it mm. um though Mm-mm. you know like it's not it after the first couple weekends of of yeah. that you stop being you stop whatever product you know productivity yeah, yeah. gains you would have gotten yeah. diminish so yeah. um in in vietnam the situation was with a being accountable to a uh, mm. holding company in in France, yeah, was they would create, uh, they would say stuff like, by Monday it would be like Thursday, and they were reviewing the the project, yeah, and they'll say something like, by Monday or within one week, if I don't see this, we're going to cancel the project. Okay, right, <laughs> yeah. and then so you rush, 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 yeah, to meet that yeah. goal no matter how unrealistic it is. Mm. And then yeah. it just repeats. Maybe you have a couple days off yeah. or like a couple days downtime and then you get yeah. the new feedback. Yeah. And they're like, okay, in two weeks, yeah. if we don't see this feature implemented, we're going to cancel the project. Yeah. It kind of goes on like that for yeah. a year or two. And then, you know, <laughs> I know it's a little bit different than it than in traditional ad agencies. Yeah, in, in the ad agency, if you say, if you don't do this pitch by Monday, it's, the pitch is canceled, they just won't do it, right? <laughs> Because they're not getting anything from the pitch. The company gets it, right? Sometimes they throw them a bone, like a little project bonus. But it's not enough for anybody to work nights and weekend and kill, um, yeah, kill themselves over it. So what 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 do they work the overtime for then? It's once the once the pitch is signed. Uh, no, no. The you mean the creative? Why they're participating in the pitch? They have to. Oh, like their creative directors gets handed this pitch by the MD. Who needs to do that pitch? Otherwise, he won't meet his numbers. Right, and the juniors have to do it. But um, so there is a deadline on the pitches. Oh yeah, and, sure. and that's what's perhaps causing the overtime or yeah. yeah. So to... you know, a client will come and say, "Hey, we have this pitch. We've invited you and four other agencies. We need the proposal by, you know, in six weeks, right?" Um, there'll be a couple of days going back and forth, trying to understand the brief, blah blah blah, and then another couple of days to kind of brief that to the internal team. The team needs a couple of days to research. You know, it always delays. And then, um, yeah, around a couple of days before it's crunch time. Yeah. You guys are, I would say, a multidisciplinary mm. design studio. Sure. Right? You're working on architectural projects. Yeah, interior architecture. Interior yeah. architecture. Yeah. Branding, graphic design. Yeah. Uh, probably digital yeah. stuff communications like film uh photography photo shoots things like that yeah do you have a particular affinity to any one of those i i shift i have mood swings sometimes i'm like really in love with an interior space sometimes i love branding sometimes i want to do a film things like that and everybody here has a different interest as well are any of those more stable for business branding yeah branding um it's very Predictable in the sense that um, we've done so many that I can know like 
what's the range? You know, it'll be four to six weeks or six to eight weeks. I, I know exactly. Interior, there's a lot of moving parts. You got uh, the contractor who's building the space. You got the government who's issuing the license. You got furniture suppliers. If it's a restaurant, you got kitchen suppliers. You got the operation team of the space itself. There are just so many moving parts. And any of those guys being late or not cooperative, yeah, the, the whole project would derail. Yeah. So it's, it's much harder to plan your business around interior. Or at least my business around interior. You guys might be a uh, unique example mm. of companies that have both interior mm. design services where you could be making a food and beverage concept for a client. Yeah. But also, I don't know, it's a, your partner company that's essentially mm. coming up with yeah. food and beverage concepts. Yeah. Uh, that we can execute. That you, you know, yeah. you got this kind of synergy. Yeah. Does that ever create conflict of interest with clients where they would say, mm. no, like, no. Like number one, our, our F&B businesses are never that big uh, in an industry to, to have any uh, influence on price or anything like that. Um, if there's any personal interest, uh, conflict of interest, no. I'm so clear cut on what I need to do for clients versus what Laura needs to do for the business. My thinking is if our F&B concepts cannot hold up to other F&B concepts, we don't deserve to be around. You know what I mean? So for example, we had just done um, the branding and interior for Cafe Marcel and they serve breakfast and brunch. Bunker serves also serves breakfast and brunch. But if we don't have a kitchen team who can execute better, we don't have better designers, we are also designers, um, then we don't deserve to, to compete with them. So we do our best for Cafe Marcel. Yeah. There's no conflict of interest whatsoever. Yeah. Clients don't see it either. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you even get clients that way, I assume. Yeah. Right. They see, you, I don't know if you want to share this, but yeah. the story of how you kind of got your first big client. Yeah, sure. Here. Yeah. You can, I mean, you, you yeah, yeah, your story. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so, you know, like um, this This was a co-working cafe. And so one of our first big clients was actually just here uh, for a coffee meeting. And he liked the vibe. He liked the design. So he asked us to design his new space, um, which turned out to be a, a great hit and uh, kind of put us on the map in the industry. Um, so that kind of gave us our start in uh, design. So yes, so a lot of these concepts that we do uh, on the side, it it's a, our calling card for other clients. They come to Bunker, they come to Nest, they come to Blank. Um, they like what they see and they ask us to do it for them. Yeah. Outside of work, yeah, I know that you like video games. Yeah. <laughs> In the yeah. past, at least. No, no, I yeah. still do. <laughs> yeah. Video games and drinking. Video games and drinking. Yeah. At the same time? Sometimes. Video games first. <laughs> Is there anything that's got you excited in the game space recently? Um I I, I was never a God of War fan until the latest one. I really enjoy that. That was the last one that I remember like It's a different camera than the previous God of God of Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was more narrative driven. It felt more like a, I'm playing a movie, a really great one. 
So that one was really great. I was looking forward to uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 for like a long, long, long time. I was a huge fan of the original. Uh, I really hated the new one. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Nintendo stuff. So I'm looking forward to the uh, A Link to the Past remake. Was it? Link's Awakening remake on Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that one's going to be, if I remember correctly, mm. it's... It's not like the new camera angle, it's the mm. old camera angle, but just higher resolution graphics. It's or? top down, it's kind of shell shaded a little bit. It's a remake of a, a Game Boy game, Game Boy Color or Advance game. Those are, I mean, the, those aren't that recent. Mm. Okay. What's a recent one? I don't know. I, I don't have any of the, the new consoles, so, mm. uh, but I am a little bit more active on mm. like Steam than I mm. would have been in the past. Yeah. Yeah, instead of buying a uh, new console, I bought a gaming PC. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a PC, a Windows PC, so I I don't play any of those games. Right. Yeah, I w- so I w- I for many years, I was yeah. using uh, like a MacBook Pro yeah. and then game consoles. Yeah. But now I just yeah combine them into one <laughs> thing. No, there's a, there's a lot that I would like to play, like Three Kingdoms Total War. That one looks interesting. Um, yeah, but not enough for me to get a gaming rig for. When you guys do uh, video work for clients, yeah, um, how much of like the video production is yeah. in-house versus mm. how much freelance talent and, yeah. and gear for hire do you rent? Um, Equipment-wise, uh, we almost always uh, rent. Uh, you know, we have like DSLRs and stuff. We don't have like, you know, big reds or, or anything like that. So we have to go and rent. Uh, in terms of talent, um, the director, we will usually hire, though uh, some of us direct sometimes. Um, who else? Producers, we used to have in-house. Now we work with a great freelance producers and we just use her all the time. Um, everything regarding design, wardrobe, styling, everything like that we do in-house. Anything relating to art we do in-house. All of the the crew, the grip, lighting, all outsource. Yeah. So all the technical stuff we outsource, all the creative stuff we kind of keep in-house. How much of like the work you're doing is intended for uh commerce or audiences within Vietnam versus do you have any anyone hiring you to to do work where the target audience is in a different country? Yeah, very little. I would say 95% of our clients' intended audience is in Vietnam. 5%. Sometimes we get work out of Singapore, um, which runs in Southeast Asia. Sometimes we get work in um, uh, in Dubai. Um, yeah, but 95% of the time is here. I need to have like some go-to typical question that mm. that gets me like towards the ending you know <laughs> bringing it home <laughs> do you read yeah i do what kind of stuff do you read i read nonfiction mostly um i read on my iphone or my ipad i i uh i do audiobooks sometimes too because it helps me fall asleep <laughs> so the last one i read through read through an audiobook is uh sapiens um, you know, a brief history of mankind. Oh, yeah. So that was interesting. And then I also have a lot of books, but it's for references. Yeah. So art books and stuff. Right. Yeah. 
you don't necessarily read through no no, that kind no. Of book. yeah i mean it's huge volumes right it's re- usually a, a an archive of uh of processes and art and design stuff from other studios so you learn the process yeah i was talking to tomo yeah and he had been trying to do a podcast with min yeah mindo yeah yeah and uh he was saying oh i kind of wish that we had planned things out a little bit more mm. we started talking about joe rogan and how his stuff yeah. like isn't really planned out it's yeah. just conversational yeah but and it's live streamed so yeah and he doesn't have any of these weird no, but he's all, that's that's also his job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot more practice. Yeah, some like thousand five hundred episodes of practice. It's his job. He has a huge financial incentive to keep it going, and also he brings on heavy hitters. So, yeah, yeah. Like I'm not inherently interesting, right? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, part of the idea of this podcast is that uh, I have a lot of people in my life who I think are pretty interesting, you know, and. Just because you're not famous on a world stage doesn't mean that you don't have lessons to teach or a story worth hearing. So I'm kind of interested in bringing exposure to like friends who I like what they're doing and and uh, trying to tease out whatever kind of uh, gems I can find. I think uh, I don't know if your circle is is now based in Japan or in in, in Ho Chi Minh City, but I think Vietnam has so many interesting. Uh, people or things that needs to be uncovered, you know. I'm totally planning to do as much of this in Japan as I can, mm. but my suspicion is that mm. it's going to be much easier for me to find, yeah, uh, fluent English speaking guests in Vietnam. Yeah, there's a lot of people in Japan doing interesting things, but most of them are Japanese. Yeah, so I'm and I don't have a lot of uh, friends there yet. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. I haven't found. The, the work Saigon. The work Saigon. <laughs> yeah. you know, creative co-working space yeah. there. I, I did join a co-working space there. Yeah. And um, everyone else is Japanese. Yeah. Nobody speaks English. So, so yeah. you know. You speak Japanese. Though. Yeah, but I couldn't do an interview in... I see. I couldn't do like an interview in Japanese. Yeah. Do you still have Boss? The dog? Yeah, yeah. yeah he was here yesterday. She was here yesterday. <laughs> boss is a dog. So. <laughs> Yeah, you guys have been, um, you've always been very yeah. literal and I guess sometimes tongue in cheek with your yeah. naming of stuff. Yeah, like yeah. The, the the co-working space was called work yeah, yeah, because you go there to work. Yeah. And then the co-working space's dog was called boss because yeah. I guess workplaces have a boss. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know we, we like to have fun with it. You know, we, we don't try to overthink stuff. So, yeah. Have any of your new concepts had name naming like in this kind of vein or have you changed your approach on names <laughs> we have a space where we didn't have we didn't know what to name it so we call it blank <laughs> but you know like it, it always has another layer meaning blank is a it's a blank page and we 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 want to use it to to experiment on fnb and things like that so that's why it's called blank but yeah we tend to do this this you know, kind of seemingly normal name, but also has an underlying layer of is that, meaning. Is the other part of that space still called Nest? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's still the same partnership. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's just that what was Work Cafe yeah. has been rebranded as Blank Bar. Blank, yeah. Or because we don't no longer um, serve the co-working community. Uh-huh. Like strictly coffee shop. 
to people, but people still, people still show up there and with their laptops. Yeah, yeah. People still call me up until this day to ask for work cafe. Yeah, like what what floor is it on? Um, but you know, blank was important for us as a team to know that hey, we're not doing co working anymore. This is a blank page. Let's try something new with this space. Yeah. So it was more internal branding than anything. Yeah. Uh, you've opened a a second blank bar. Third one. A third one. Yeah. The second one is in Hanoi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I knew about that one. That one is in Vincom Bacio. Yeah. That one was two years ago. Oh, well, okay. I knew about mm. the second. I knew about the. Like, the Hanoi. I knew one. about some of your other projects for that client in Hanoi. Yeah. And uh, what was at one point? I mean, at one point it was a work, work cafe. Yeah, it was work cafe Hanoi. Hanoi. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's just blank bar Hanoi. Okay. Yeah. How about this new? Tell me a little bit about the new blank yeah. bar project. So the new one is actually called Blank Lounge, and it's on the 75th and 76th floor of Landmark 81, which is at the moment the tallest tower in Southeast Asia. So it is the tallest lounge in Southeast Asia right now. Um, it's the same uh, partnership with AIA, the insurance company. So the concept that we work on together is called Nest, which is a financial services concept. Inside Nest, there is a bar called Blank Lounge. And uh, we serve our own customer. We also serve their customer. Uh, but after 7 or 8 p.m., they all leave and it, it becomes like a normal bar. Yeah. I imagine that space has pretty good views. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Is any of it outside or is it all in interior? On the 75th floor, there's an outdoor patio. Yeah. So it's 140 seats total. About 20 of those seats are outdoor. Do you need typically need like a reservation or something to get seated outside? We or? don't take reservations. Um, there is pretty crazy line up until about seven p.m. because people use it as an alternative to the observation deck. Right. Yeah. So people queue like to go up and take a photo, buy something, take a photo. Yeah. But after it gets dark, you know, it's just a normal bar. People go there for cocktails, uh, cocktails, and uh, and beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I uh, was not in town when you guys had your kind of soft opening there. Yeah, I saw your messages about hey, yeah, come by, come by, and uh, yeah, you know, get a sneak peek at the space. Yeah, it's like ah, I wish I could go, but yeah, I mean, you can still go. It's open every day. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I should do uh, on my way home from work today. Yeah, yeah. You D two right? Still in District Two. Okay, I mean, swing by Lords there. Um, yeah. Is there food? Not yet. We have uh, we have small bites for to go with cocktails, but we don't have like real food yet. We plan to. Is there still coffee after seven p.m. or whatever? Yeah, I mean, we serve coffee all day. We serve cocktails all day, but you know, people don't buy cocktails in the morning. People don't buy coffee at night, but some people do. <laughs> <laughs> the fun ones do. <laughs> Start off the day with alcohol and finish it with coffee. Yeah. yeah. One one thing I want to do a little bit differently yeah. from a typical podcast is you know unfortunately i only have one camera angle yeah for now sure because uh, when you consider multiple camera angles it's all in my backpack right now so mm. okay more I, mean, I could use gopros but i'm worried the quality will be yeah a little weird have like a weird look to it yeah um or even if i wanted something small but good i have to get three of two or three of them and you know, so mm. it's two or three times the cost of just the thing by itself yeah uh but to compensate for that, yeah, I want for at least the YouTube version of this. I mm. want to 
intercut the interviews with mm. or B-roll. wouldn't really be intercutting, but showing B-roll during parts of the interviews. So sure. if you're talking about blank bar, I can actually show blank bar. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. It, whether that's like I, you know, yeah, go there myself and take some video or yeah. I, you know, grab some of the promotional images off the website or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, some way of uh, making this a little less static. Making yeah. this visual here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering who's going to look at us for 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, it will be been an hour, I oh, think. Right? Uh, you got to get going, I guess, right? I mean, you can take it home. You can bring it home. <laughs> bring it home? Bring the oh, interview yeah. home. Tuan, uh, it was great to catch up with you. Sure. Same. Thanks for uh, letting me invade your office today. No problem. And uh, sit here and record a couple interviews. Um, for anyone who is interested in your work, where can they find out more about the lab? Um, you can find us online, so at thelabsaigon.com. Um, you can check us out on Behance, where most of the work is uploaded. Um, you can swing by some of the spaces that we've mentioned, so Bunker, Blank. Um, you can come to the office in District 3 in Ho Chi Minh City. We're always open. Um, yeah. Or you can hit up Thomas and he can tell you more about us. He seems to know more about us than we do. <laughs> Long-time fan. <clears throat> Thanks a lot. Cool. Thank you. Bye, everyone. See ya.